Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, my wonderful, sophisticated co-host, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and I'm very excited to hear what you guys think of this movie. This one was my idea, so I will be taking all of the credit and or blame. Yes, because if you're not familiar with the program, what happens when there is an Around the World Week or a Future Classics Week is we also rotate the hosts that are picking those films. Uh, so this was Nicole's turn to pick Around the World. But uh, previously, another person who has picked films for us, because he is another co-host, is David Luzader. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Hopefully you don't hear my dog who decided right now was the time she wants to whine and make a little bit of noise. So I apologize. Just then. People. Yep. Hey, Topanga. What's Topanga's hashtag? Topanga. No, what's her? Uh, Topanga the Untamable. Topanga the Untamable is her Instagram. Yeah. Put a face to the to the wolves. Wonderful. <laughs> we, well, we watched a uh, is it a French film or a Belgian film? It is a French Belgian collaboration. Okay, right on. So we're hitting two countries that are not the U.S. That is the purpose of this, after all. And uh, next week, I do want to throw out that we are doing the You Did This to Us week. That is when you guys have the opportunity to torture or delight us. It's almost always the former. Uh, <laughs> and uh, right now, the poll is up. It looks like Boss Baby's really making a run for the door. Um, and we might end up with that. I don't know. We got to see how many of you vote and what you guys vote on, but there's a ton of stuff in there. Now, obviously, by the time you're hearing this, that has long happened, meaning that you should subscribe to the, you know, the Twitter and the Facebook notifications. That way you can, uh, you know, find out when those things are happening and you can torture us. So I'm going to tell you right now in post what we're going to be watching. Boss Baby lost quite narrowly, and we ended up with Paul Blart. Mall Cop. That's right, Paul Blart Mall Cop. That's what you did to us for next week. All right, and that is the You Did This To Us Week uh, pick. I hope you were gentle. But let's talk about Raw. came out in 2016. Justine, a reserved girl from a strict vegetarian family, arrives at the same veterinary school that her sister attends to begin college life. During a hazing ritual, she is forced to eat raw meat, awakening a range of appetites that force her to make choices that will affect the course of the rest of her life. She certainly does make some dicey decisions in this movie. Uh, Nicole, <laughs> why did you pick this movie? Why? <laughs> I saw this movie last year in a theater with a, a sizable crowd and boy did it make an impression um so this was an experience that I, wa that I wanted to share with you because I, I care I care about you guys and I want you to see good horror movies and I happen to think that this is I, I say I would agree with the Rolling Stone review that calls this a modern masterpiece. I think this is wow. going to be going into the pantheon of great horror films in years to come. That is very so. high praise. I, I bookended this with uh, Insidious films, so I can't. <laughs> I, I think that if this is supposed a to be a masterpiece. Zero. Yeah, Insidious did not do it much justice by bookending it. Um, though Insidious, the last key was just as every bit as bad as I wanted it to be. Oh, God. <laughs> delicious. So delicious. But also delicious, and this movie is flesh. Um, so Justine, as the movie says, she goes to school. It's a vet school. 
and uh, they make her eat raw meat, and this, of course, awakens some urges in her um, that are perhaps, like, like metaphorically linked to sex because college. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it, it's a few different things. I was actually yes. reading some interviews from the director and, and writer, and it's just kind of this idea of urges and the body in general. Yeah, there are a lot of bizarre things happening in this movie. So let's break it down early on, right? Before we start getting into some of our discussion points. She arrives at the school. The hazing ritual forces her to eat raw flesh. And, a raw rabbit kidney. Uh, yeah. And, and then she gets a terrible rash. And this rash brings upon uh, upon us what I think is the most French movie scene of all time, which is when a nurse, after caring for her, then sits back in the nurse office, reminisces about a time long past while taking a long drag on a cigarette, uh, while in the medical building, like like in the uh, in her office. Um, but I suppose in France, just lung cancer does not exist. <laughs> They've really found the cure. It's sophistication. I mean, it's just, it's a part of the culture there, you know? Well, I, this, the movie was shot in Belgium, but, um, right. It's still, you know, it was shot in the, uh, you know, that Belgium is sort of divided into Flemish territory and Walloon mm-hmm. territory. As we all know. As we all, <laughs> and the Walloon territory is the more French speaking, Frenchified part of the country. Um, and, so that's it is very French sensibilities overall. And I think it's just the nurse smokes just to sort of give off uh, a blase air. You know, she's telling this story about this other girl that once came to her with this medical problem and that's totally unrelated to hers, but um, is is you know just to give off give off this world uh worldly world weary uh, air of wisdom to the nurse i think oh uh, yes the world weary veterinarian school nurse what uh, i found <laughs> fascinating in this movie is that there are like four adults in this whole thing uh we see like the parents one teacher and then like this nurse I was just like, I was, there's so many times where I'm like, where are any adults in this film? You know, that's a great point because there are not, so not many that's points a thing against this film. It's just something like I realized, yeah. like we only ever see like one teacher. Yeah. And it, there I are think- so many points in this hazing ritual of which I'm like, where is the faculty? Where are people that letting work it, here? They're just wandering now. around the yeah. campus and like this, like, like post like drunken mob haze at the end of the movie. And I'm like, where are the people who work here? Who's cleaning this up? Like, uh, this is this. I don't think this level of hazing would happen in. Uh, I no, I hate to say that. American well. schools do a lot of horrible <laughs> things to people. Um, this is. <laughs> I don't I know. It's it's, it's a really extreme hazing to me, especially for a vet school. Like I put that in our docket because I really want to make a note of that. That this is not some like crazy. Like, we're all coming in undeclared to Arizona State. Isn't that actually... David, didn't you go to Arizona State? Yeah. Dude, what do you think happens in Arizona State? <laughs> like, well, I didn't see one party while I was there. I'm a podcaster, though. Is that surprising? I think, I think <laughs> well, I just mean, like, a crap. state school in the middle of nowhere is kind of, like, what I'm getting at. And, like, a bunch of frat boys coming in undeclared. Like to happen 
it's more likely to happen in the middle of nowhere than it is at, at Arizona State, which is in the middle of the fifth largest city in the country. Yeah, you bring up a very because good point. I guess my I point. Heard? Yeah, I think it's it's to give it that sense of isolation. You know, the reason we don't see any many adults in yeah. here, it's you know, this is all taking place in a, a microcosm. You know, when you go off to college, it's this whole new world, and it's it can be very insulated from the outside you know everything that's important to you everything that you're studying every person you interact with they're all kind of right there with you yeah yeah absolutely and there's there's a very claustrophobic sense to this movie i forgot the trucker that rubs adrian's ear oh yeah gas station not the adult you want to you want to encounter i was like waiting for something horrible to happen there it is a. Uh, it reminded me. I, does not. <laughs> have you guys seen these things that pop up on Facebook where it's like the screen to script where they have the movie and then they show the script scrolling next to it so you can see how yeah. the actors change from where the script went? Well, one of my favorite scenes, and they recently did one of those with it, is when Javier Bardem's character in No Country for Old Men goes into a gas station and just interrogates the gas station owner. You might remember this if you've seen the movie. And there's a really intense buildup, especially because he flips his coin, which if you've seen the film, you know is him deciding whether or not he's going to kill you. Uh, but the, the scene goes nowhere. Like After five minutes of really intense buildup, this weird interaction between him and him yeah they go nowhere and that's how i felt about the creepy gas station ear rub where this guy's like "Mm, your vets that's nice let me uh let me get behind the ear there um and it's like you think he's going to do something to adrian but i thought he was gonna like rip out his earring or something like it was getting to that level where i'm like something's gonna happen here thankfully it does not yes i'm very grateful i think part part of the point of that is to show how oblivious Justine is uh-huh. to what's going on because she's sitting right next to Adrian while this is going on, while this trucker is sort of implicitly threatening to sexually assault her roommate. And she's just sitting there mowing down on these kebabs. And it also shows how passive Adrian is where this complete stranger right. comes up and starts rubbing his ear. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Though to be yeah, fair, I'm not sure how off. I would I mean, react to like the trucker. I think he could take me. I like Adrian's but, I mean, Adrian not a big is, dude. He's a yeah, but he's athletic. Yeah, you know he's shown true. to be very athletic. So I mean, he could have been like, "Hey, man, willing, what are you doing?" He's also willing to fight. I mean, if you see the first night when they're pulled off, you know, in the hazing ritual, and they throw all the 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 upperclassmen throw all the mattresses out the window, and march all the freshmen outside. You know, he fights them. He fights off like five guys and has yeah. to be hauled out bodily. That is fair. Uh, he actually does pole. hand her a ski pole. Uh, right. Check off ski pole. Which is some interesting <laughs> foreshadowing there. First of all, the ski pole? Really? Like, that's what you're going to fight the upperclassmen with? You're going to kill your upper... Okay. Um, Adrian, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about him. Adrian is her roommate. She's introduced to Varian, um, because apparently in France, you can have a co-ed roommate if they're openly gay. Uh, <laughs> that's, I guess that's how they're rolling with it in the movie. And then, like, Adrian also explores his sexuality in this movie like that happens a lot i feel like i feel like sexuality in this movie is always running parallel with gore and like with with Uh, with the shock value of the film like i i've heard it described as like an erotic horror masterpiece that's how i heard it described by um 
variety. So, so I have a friend who has been openly gay since we were like 13. Um, but I remember him telling me that like while, you know, in college and these characters, I think are supposed to be, I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Justine's supposed to be 16. Um, so he's probably supposed to be 16 as well. So the, no, the, no, no, no. Justine's like a prodigy. She, she okay, so super like, advanced. At least okay. you get that from her professor. So. Uh, it's still like unclear about like what age other people i don't know uh, i suspect so, like 18 so yeah he's like probably around 18 but like around like kind of that time in life you know i remember him telling me that like even though he has been like openly gay i am gay he's like yeah no our like our other friend like this girl like yeah we slept together at one point so that's just like this kind of time of life where yeah there's kind of this exploration factor where it's like well you know why not see what happens if i do this yeah yeah i mean we'll we'll get there later we'll get there later he spends most of the movie enjoying being openly gay and indulging in uh his sexuality that has apparently had to keep repressed you know presumably around his family up to this point Mm-hmm. Right, right. So let's start at the top then. Uh, this movie begins with the hazing of the new arrivals at school. Why does hazing exist? Wow, Nicole's really going in early on here. <laughs> this urge to make young slash newer people earn their place in your group through bizarre artificial hardships. Yeah, right. Like this is as old. <laughs> this is as old as time itself. Um, I think part of it is, at least to me, how I have seen it amongst my peers having recently been through college it is uh i'm the big boy in town and want to flex my muscles a little bit that's part of it for upperclassmen there's a little bit of that i think there's also a part of like i went through this so now you're gonna go through it it's sort of like this traditional thing that gets passed down where maybe people aren't even quite sure why they're doing it aside from like well i had to do this now you have to do this Right. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing I hear from, say, medical students, mm-hmm. you know, is is medical students coming in and having to do like insane 36 hour plus shifts when they're interns. And, the, you know, the older residents are like, well, we had to do this. So this is something that you should have to do just in case you have to do it for reals sometime. If there's some sort of catastrophe and you have to be awake that long like well yeah that's great but i can tell you as somebody who's been sleep deprived uh due to a baby in the past and you know that learning to get along without sleep by losing sleep is not a good way to go about things <laughs> it's not good for the people around you it's not good for the precision of what you're supposed to be doing it's it's a really bad idea and i mean so you know it's i this is what puzzles me about hazing is that there's often no logical basis for it and it's, yet it goes on i mean logical I think it kind of depends on how you approach it because it does. I mean, there is a bonding aspect to it to certain, you know, some obviously goes way too far, making, making people crawl on their hands and knees and eating raw rabbit kidney and throwing their beds out in the middle of the night could definitely be, you know, too far making a kid, you know, go ask for headlighter fluid 
when he's new at a, at a job or something, you know, that's like, that's, there is like a, a scientific basis of like, that does kind of create a sense of community and like bonding. I think there is a way of doing it where it's like, well, we're doing this cause it's, it's, you know, fun and, and kind of goofy and messing around versus throwing animal blood on you from, uh, from the top of a roof. And it gets so yeah. uh, like, bizarrely ritualistic. I've always joked oh, yeah. with, with, with Claire, Claire the chanting, you know, Claire was was a member of a sorority when she was in college, and it was it was a very good sorority. You know, the girls didn't haze one another. That that was not a thing. In fact, it was more about like doing service and those sorts of things. But like two hundred years ago, like somebody in this sorority at some point like shoved somebody in a coffin, and all of a sudden everyone thought like, oh, this is what is part of the hazing ritual, and like, no, it's not. And most sororities and fraternities don't do that um but then there are the ones that do i mean just a couple nights ago dateline ran an episode called the college fraternity crisis um all about how hazings have gotten to the point where people are now dying from some of them there was this one kid in um looks like new orleans who uh of course it's new orleans uh in new orleans who died of alcohol acute alcohol poisoning during a hazing ritual because they made him drink a whole bottle and now um louisiana has actually made hazing a felony just like in the last two days so like this is important question were you watching an episode of dateline and how old are you no, I just Googled, <laughs> I Googled hazing and hit news because I uh, knew there okay, would be something. Okay. Um, but I did learn, today I learned Dateline still airs. Uh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> 60 Minutes has been on for a million years. Yeah, I mean, oh, 60, oh yeah, that is on. But yeah, I mean, this is something that happens, this happened at, at my school amongst, uh, like, my school didn't have sororities or fraternities, which is, it seems to be where the hotbed of some of that is naturally. But there were some very like minor hazings of people who were nude as very specific niche programs. Um, and that was kind of just done within their little student groups and stuff. But it was not eating rabbit kidneys and getting carried. <laughs> they get carried. Oh. Yes, they carry get, uh, is in C-A-R-R-I-E apostrophe D. Yeah, yeah they get like, carried. Where, where are they carrying them around? I'm like, that doesn't sound too bad. I wouldn't yes. mind carrying They get them a around. bunch of blood, you know, dumped on top of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, and, they're assembled for their group photo. Right. And because they're wearing white, uh, you know, lab coats, they're now to have these stained ass lab coats while they walk through the rest of oh. their student year, apparently. And there's that, there's that one... Uh, upperclassman that justine makes eye contact with that makes her wear a diaper for the rest of like the day yeah right no she's yeah she's not wearing the dress code the dress code of the day is club wear and because she's not wearing club wear she has to wear the uniform which apparently is an adult diaper and I, I think what I find most weird about this form of hazing in this movie and I don't think we see this a lot really anywhere at least not in the u.s is that uh hazing tends to happen behind closed doors right it happens in the frat house it happens um late at night and um this is happening campus-wide amongst every upperclassman in the classrooms it depends on how benign or malevolent the faculty perceives it to be Mm -hmm. if they think it's benign you know if they think oh they're making them wear adult diapers yeah whatever you know then it's going they're going to allow it to happen 
Right. They're like eating the rabbit uh, kidneys. Like turning their back. Right, but like the rabbit kidney scene is not in like some dark basement, <laughs> you know, while they're all wearing like Illuminati cloaks and making them walk into the middle and eat the rabbit kidney. Like they're doing it on the lawn in front well, of the, I, you know, school. Again, you know, they, they, there's that scene where they are looking at the pictures that their parents are in that who went to the school 20 plus years ago. And you kind of get the idea of like it was the same back then. You know, the people who didn't participate had their heads cut out of the picture they you know they are not sure like this this is part of that school so the faculty who have maybe been there for decades or have went there themselves are probably all in on it or aware of it to some level right yeah i certainly um and then Let's talk a little bit about the theme of this movie, which Nicole put as the formation of identity that happens in a college slash university. Again, I think that happens um, through a horror front of Justine being like, oh, that flesh. And then (laughs) also through a sexual front through several of the characters. Uh, (laughs) um, So but we do find out in this movie to kind of progress us a little forward for the listeners that her sister, who is an upperclassman at this point in time, also has the affliction of really just wanting to eat people. Uh, And well, aren't there better remedies for this, first of all? Like, is this like Santa Clarita diet where she can't just eat? store-bought meat does she have to go for real people i mean you get the sense that it the hung you know she starts off eating animal but then for whatever yeah, reason like yeah, they don't go into a, it they don't go into thing it here much. yeah they don't go into it too much but it seems to be like the only thing that'll satisfy the hunger is human flesh and fresh human flesh of course it's not you know they don't really go into the morgue stuff i think they kind of expect you to just go along for the ride of she wants to eat people and she's dealing with it. <laughs> right. I mean, I think having having the meat gives Justine the urge for more. And she starts with cooked meat and then she goes on to raw meat. She pulls a raw chicken breast out of the refrigerator and starts snarfing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then has a, a little taste of. Uh, people flesh in a scene that one we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. Um, but then she, you know, she decides to stop and her sister remarks to her that she's, she looks like she's losing weight and she's going to, if she keeps resisting this, she's going to end up, you know, bulimic or anorexic. And she doesn't want that to happen, that she's not going to be able to resist this urge for too long. So let's talk about her eating her sister's finger. <laughs> yeah, good thing we have the spoiler warning out because this is, this is the big scene of this movie. Yeah, you know, there are movies a... where there's a, you know, that scene in Bone Tomahawk. You know, that scene in, in Deer Hunter. Deer Hunt. Yes. <laughs> it's, there, yeah. it's a, that scene. There's that scene in this movie where yeah. her sister decides, her older <sighs> sister decides that Justine needs a bikini wax. And something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> uh, Justine, she's Alexia is about to use a humongous pair of scissors to cut a recalcitrant piece of wax off of her. Justine panics and kicks, and Alexia ends up accidentally cutting off 
part of one of her fingers. Not part of one, like from like the second knuckle up. Like yeah. it is a good chunk of finger. It's a good, yeah, yeah it's a good certainly. bit. And she passes out. So, you know, so yeah. Justine immediately calls emergency services. They're like, it'll be 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, do you know what to do? You know, and she's like, yes, get some ice. I know. Okay. You know, and she goes and her sister doesn't have any ice. So she's just sitting there holding the finger. And I can tell you, as she's sitting there holding this finger and contemplating it and looking at it like it's the tastiest steak she's ever seen in her life. Um, I saw this in a packed, the- in a, a full theater, and the tension in the theater was the tension in my living room with the lights on was yeah. unbelievable. Like so it is they, an effective scene. Yeah. Everybody in the theater's going, Oh my God, is she going to do the thing? Is she, she's not going to do the thing. Is she, she's going to do, this, is she going to do? And then she sticks the finger in her mouth. And we're all like, Oh, Oh my God. You know, just go into town on it. Just eat my levels. And keep in mind, it's not like she just like pops this in her mouth, like a little pot sticker. No, she starts like going at this thing, like a baby back rib and like getting <laughs> the meat off the bone. You know, she's turning it. She's uh-huh. yeah, she's ripping off that. And they, you know, props to uh, props to the prop department who made that thing look. It looks really oh. real. Yeah, it looks super real. <laughs> just and tearing helps. off chunks of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, props to Jim Williams too, who is the um, he wrote the score for this movie, and this is where the score kicks heavily into Giallo territory. Because it goes from like this lone guitar of here's this woman in a coming of age story and la 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 la. And then it switches into this organ where it's like, you know, and when she sticks a finger in her mouth, it's like here she's she's gone into doing something monstrous. What do you think that fake finger tasted like? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I know they made the chicken breast out of marzipan. Oh, so oh, uh, the the lead actress, I think I'm. I hope I'm not going to mangle this. I believe it's Garance Marillier. Yes. Um, she says that she wasn't put off eating meat by making this movie, but she was put off eating candy for a very long yeah. time. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it probably it probably was some sort of gummy thing. But they did a good job with the chicken breast too. It's got the right like consistency and translucence and mm-hmm. color. It's perfect. It tears just the way you would expect it to if you right. get right into it. Yeah. So so she eats the she eats the finger, and then her sister wakes up and catches her with the finger in her mouth. And then like doesn't <laughs> they don't talk about it for a while. Yeah, this and is one way- of those things where like they walked in on you, like trying to get it on with your boyfriend and now no one's going to speak about it for the rest of history like that's well, like the, the, the equivalent the, sister, the way the sister decides to talk about it is all right let me show you how i get meat but she doesn't say it that way she causes a car to crash and then just starts nomming down on some guy's open head wound yeah and also she's just well equipped herself to be able to consistently cause these car crashes by hiding out in the middle of the woods, getting in the bushes and jumping out in front of moving cars on the like lone, you know, road, you know, in the middle of the woods that people apparently don't drive by enough for there to be an issue with this. And it's like not weird that that many car crashes are happening. 
<laughs> and I actually do like the movie starts that way, though. That's one thing I do want to note is the very first scene of the movie is that car crash. And you're left wondering what the hell is happening because you see these two people kind of walk out and you see it caused by a person. You can't fathom why that would happen. And the fact that the movie just like hits you with that and then brings you into this nice little uh, like French town. I know it's not in France, but whatever. Um, and then eventually moves you back to that scene, I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, it's effective. Right. Alexia shows her how to hunt. <laughs> right. A set, yeah, how to, really, how yeah. to set a trap. Yeah, it is. It is a form of hunting. And I, but how, you know, th- this is one of those things where unfortunately, like, this is kind of a ding for me against the movie. As I mentioned, like, how does nobody notice there is a gigantic amount of car crashes on this road <laughs> in this one spot? Do the coroners never notice? Oh, and it looks like somebody was um, eating this person. <laughs> like, they just overlook like, well, he must have gotten those teeth marks from the dashboard. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a plot gap there. Yeah. Um, Which is unfortunate the, to say. That's I think that's kind of for me the biggest ding against the film. Though, maybe fair, it's, maybe he only has to do it every like every six weeks or something, you know, like a snake having a big meal and oh then God. not having to eat for a while. Maybe she can not eat people for a while. Still one car crash every six weeks is <laughs> I there are some places that have like seriously dangerous intersections and stuff. Then I like I like to mind. imagine that the, the the local authority is really trying to clamp down on whatever is causing these accidents. So more signs start popping up in really dangerous corners, and they start posting you know more and more uh, speeding track traffic cops and lights and ca- cameras. <laughs> it's not going to work. It, um, it, I- it's kind of like I remember when I first watched Gremlins and I was reading into Gremlins and the director saying like, you know, a trope of these sort of movies is that the cops are bad at their jobs because the cops were good at their jobs. This plot wouldn't be happening. <laughs> so this is something you kind yeah. of have to accept is like she's getting away with it. Why? Because the plot needs her to. But there's yeah. also something else happening, right? There's there is another person out nomming at least one other person out nomming people, right? The mom needs to nom. <laughs> As is revealed at the end of the movie. The last yeah, scene of the movie, which I'm jumping to, to right now, because I because it is relevant to this conversation. Um, the father sits down with, after all this has happened, um, and we'll jump back to fill in the plot holes here in a moment. Uh, he says, oh yeah, your mom just loved eating me. Uh, and then pulls up his shirt and shows that she it's, was really taking hunks out of him. That's not what he says. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's 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 what he alludes to. Well, and it's the it's not just that he she enjoyed it. It's she's still enjoying it. Like this is their solution. Yeah, he's the it's he really doesn't say a lot. It's like four lines. I wrote it down. Uh, he says, reminiscing. He says. Your mom was tough at first, kept saying I was her best friend at school. It's not like she had a boyfriend, just me. It drove me nuts. And then we had our first kiss, and I understood. And he unbuttons his shirt and shows Justina's chest, which is full of these ropey, gnarly scars. And he says, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey. (laughs) It's just... So the mom has been chewing on him for decades and it, and, it, and it gives this whole you know back thing like well 
she's she starts off the movie a very strict vegetarian you get the idea she's not ever tasted meat in her life and why is that because this is a family thing you know yeah the mom knows what can happen yeah it probably was grandma dealt with it it probably goes back generations so it's like all right i'm gonna try to stem it by never letting you have meat right good try mom yeah you know (laughs) hey justine got 16 years yeah, Alex, you got good. however long until she made it to vet school. And then it's those damn rabbit kidneys. And that they had to know. <laughs> they had to. That was part of it. Yeah. <sighs> Bad uh, parenting, guys. At least the camera. <laughs> right. At least, at least understand that your children are going to go through the same rabbit kidney eating hazing ritual yeah. that you went through. Only natural. I mean, that was my big question with this movie is why don't they warn her? before she goes off to school that this is a possibility and she needs to guard against it especially Again, because she seems so she doesn't well, well she seems so uh picturesque in her innocence early in this oh, movie yeah. and that's and i understand that's the point of it because the the overarching theme of this movie is forming that identity and in order to form that identity you have to have the preconceived identity you've built for yourself within your bubble be collapsed in order for something new to grow out of that and for you to figure out who that really is and that happens to everyone on varying scales and it happens to justine here in a very dramatic way um but yeah like they don't warn her of this. It happened to them. Like we know this had happened to them from the photos early on. And because she is so innocent, you think that they would have some inkling of a desire to let her in on this. Or maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe they don't want her to be innocent anymore. I don't know. I mean, there's different, there's better ways to handle that. I think they probably thought, you know, she's made it this long, really going, you know, I'm not ever eating meat that she would be able to stand up for herself and maybe putting more faith in their daughter to not succumb to peer pressure. Cause there's a lot to this movie. There is a, there's peer pressure elements and, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to, wanting to please, uh, you know, the people of whose community you are trying to be part of with the whole like hazing thing and eating the rabbit kidney when like slightly pushed to it. I mean, there's a whole thing of she is this very sweet, innocent girl. And outside of the cannibalism, we see her like get hard into some partying and, and some drugs and stuff like that. You know, this, this, the cannibalism covers a wide spectrum of coming of age metaphors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it certainly yeah. does. She definitely goes to some weird underground raves, and I sincerely do mean that they're really underground. They seem to be in some sort of sewage system half the time. Um, <laughs> and she has this shot that is the most uncomfortable shot to me in the movie, which is where she's like sprawled out with like her legs spread out and her like body's like completely distorted into a weird shape. And she's just in the center of this really intense party and the camera's slowly zooming in on her and her eyes are just like nowhere. She's just staring. It's great. Yeah. This is her coming, coming into her sexuality. Right. Fully. You know, she's had, she's already had the scene where she's dancing in front of the mirror to this, amazingly obscene french rap song which i Um, thought i thought that was a great scene by the way yeah yeah this is her learning to accept that she she can be 
you know, she's accepting that she has a sexuality. Yeah, yeah. She's accepting that she has sexuality. She's taking charge of it. You know, before she was wearing this club dress over a sweatshirt and jeans. And now she's wearing it the way it's intended to be worn. She's putting on lipstick. Uh, she's kissing herself in the mirror. And, you know, so she's, she's starting to accept this. And the later, I guess this is probably a couple days later or something. She goes to one of these parties that her roommate was talking about at the hospital where they have these wild parties and they drink a lot. And if they have to go treat somebody, they make themselves throw up and then go treat them. So it's a good thing. The sister didn't have the finger to reattach because they'd have put it on backwards. Right. <laughs> so she, you know, she goes to the party and she gets very drunk and she's just sitting there grooving on the, on the music at the party and feeling sexy and sprawled out with her legs apart. And so she's, she's owning herself. Oh, I was a little confused on that because Adrian tells her about this party, but then she goes kind of down the hall and there's that whole, uh, I figured that was the same night. Maybe it wasn't supposed to be like the whole body painting scene. I think that's it, later. Uh, okay. Cause Adrian was there and I'm like, this, Time this, flows is, weirdly. this is the big party. Yeah. Time does flow a little bit weird. It's hard to tell if this movie takes place over like a couple of weeks or like six months. Yeah, no, I think it's like a, a couple of weeks or a week. Um, it seems to me on. like I it's, I, I think they say in the beginning of the movie, don't they, that for the next four days, you're going to be going through um, rushing? Well, the, it's a rush week, they call okay. it, so I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it would be like probably a... Uh, let's see. Man, Hold a on. lot happens to this girl real Another thing I, I want to bring up, but in case we, you know, lest we forget about it, is while she's in this like haze of owning herself, I think there's also another part that I at least interpreted it as, which was um, this like feral primal instinct coming over her where she's no longer in control. And that seems to happen at varying points in the party. And then more particularly happened toward the end of the party when her own sister decides to uh, stroll her drunken ass down to the morgue and, uh, like toy like a carrot on a stick toy with her like crazy ass drunken little sister trying to eat a dead man's hand while everyone is surrounded surrounding them watching them filming it yeah that was messed up that goes back to this super dysfunctional sibling relationship (laughs) where they also attempt to eat one another at one point well yeah they get into a fight and they end up biting into each other's arm very deeply and, and she bites a chunk off of justine's face yeah but see yeah, that that it. ties in with what i'm what i'm talking about though because it seems to be this primal urge that is unsatiated at a certain point because this entire fight where it's happening in front of everybody in the middle of this yeah. campus quad uh they essentially embrace at the end of the fight and just start nomming on each other's hands or like arms rather this is happening um and there seems to almost be a shift in tone where it's like i've been angry i've been attacking you to like oh thank god i finally get to suck your flesh for a bit um and they both de-escalate uh and it's it's bizarre to me it's like a zombie-like thing where they just they seem to be de-escalated once they finally get that urge off their chest okay this is gonna sound really weird <laughs> i'm all right i'm in so, be, Where are we bear, prepare yourself but other than the other than the cannibalism this was my relationship with my older sister 
at this age. And like I was 16 and she was 19 and going to college, you know, right about when I was 16 is when she decided that maybe I was going to be an okay person to hang out with and not to be shunned. Um, but we had the same thing where she thought I was the favorite and I thought she got to do everything because uh, she was older. Yeah. And we, you know, we had to share a room growing up, so we couldn't get away from each other. Um, and so it wasn't until she went to college and we got to a little space that we had the chance to miss each other and develop a more affectionate relationship. And we did things like, you know, share clothes, the way that Alexia lends Justine a dress, and even the way she's going through a closet where she's like, well, this won't look good on you and there's no way I'm lending you this, but uh, okay, you can have this one. Um you know, it that's that is that that's part of what made this movie resonate so much with me. I'm like, that's me and my sister at those ages. That's you know, she's trying to usher me through the world through her slightly more experience than me, and I'm still cautious about whether I want to go down the same paths that she's going down. And you know, this is a very real sibling relationship. I would I would guess that the director has an older sister or a younger sister and had a relationship like this growing up because this is so real to me. And then there's the people eating and that part's not. And, <laughs> that yeah. Part's and not. It's a little outside of it. <laughs> it's a little outside For all the fights they do have. Uh, but I mean, you get into fights like this. You get into really intense fights. And then right. when people try to come in and pull one away. The other sister jumps in to keep them from taking her older sister away. Yeah, there's there's because you do uh, end up bonding over those things as siblings, the the squabbles and the hardships. There's that scene towards the end where Justy or uh, Alexia is in jail and yeah. they're getting ready to leave. And, you know, before Justine walks off, she kind of gets her attention and then like flips her off with one hand that still one has middle finger. fingers. Yeah. And then like also has <laughs> the other finger up. And then Justine puts her cheek that had a chunk bitten off by Alexia up against the glass and Alexia like leans in and kisses it. And like that, you know, these are horrible wounds they inflicted on one another, but it has bonded them together. Yeah. And I yeah, thought that, they was, even start- that was a really real expression of siblinghood. Right. And they, and they even yeah. start like joshing around. She's like, how'd my finger taste? Um <laughs> Like, she understands, I think, where Justine... Alexia understands where Justine's mind was when she ate her finger, uh, which allows that to not be a relationship-breaking thing, it looks like. Which allows it to not be weird when she ate her finger. Right, which I think in most sibling relationships, eating the other's finger is going to be... Yeah, a difficult bridge to the cross moving forward. Um, Right, and Justine's just like, I'm not you, I, I just tried it. Right. And her sister's like, you had to try my finger. Nothing else on the menu looked good. Did it taste good at least? <laughs> it's very well written. I will give it I will certainly give this film its wit and its snark through the through all of the college students in it, particularly the two sisters, is exquisitely well written. Mm-hmm. Uh I so would let's also agree. let's also talk about uh let's see what we got here. What freaked you out the most? From Nicole. Uh, yeah. mom, nom, and dad. That freaked me out the most. I don't like that. Not that end reveal. Me. Yeah, I you mean, find out that thing that you thought was a hair lip wasn't really a hair lip. Yeah, yeah. Man, she got a good bite on that first kiss. Jeez. 
Yeah. Uh, some real jaw strength in that family because she yeah. kind of does the same thing to another guy. Um, they're, they're not the mom. Justine does that yeah. sort of thing. She bites a chunk out of some guy's lip. I think the thing that, I don't know if it freaks me out the most, but I think the thing that kind of set my uneasiness for the film was the beginning scene of the horse um, being knocked out, which was, yeah. which was, that was scheduled to happen. And they just asked to film it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it, nothing, but the, the horse doesn't get eviscerated. There's not horse guts everywhere. It is just a very by the book. This is exactly how it happens when they sedate a horse. And it is just so the way that it's shot is just so uncomfortable to watch. It's very intense. Yeah. And it's all it is is a horse getting knocked out and then being carried out of a room. But it is like, like you're the way that it's shot. You're expecting something to happen. Yeah, and I think it's it's also things that are it's all the things that they do to it are very unnatural things for a horse. Mm-hmm. Like they have to shove it up against a wall while the drugs taking effect. Right. They shove it up against a padded wall so it doesn't hurt itself. And then they have to winch it up upside down by the legs. Uh-huh. To put it on this rolling pallet, and then they have to force its mouth open with so, this bit and breathe. shove this giant tube down its throat so so that it can breathe. Yeah, and, and it's all very unnatural and horrible. Even though it's just they're sedating it for some common procedure. Right, right. they're doing something that might save its life potentially, but it's right. like they're they're torturing this horse. And uh, reading the the interview with the director where she was talking about, you know, that scene in particular um, being about, you know, when our bodies, like our bodies can do things that we have no power over. These, the horse is this giant beast that, uh, you know, can kill a man with one kick. And here it is entirely at the mercy of its body because they inject it with some drugs and, it it really set the tone for me in how this movie was going to go. My understanding as well is that the the things we do see in regard to them actually being vets and not terrorizing one another uh, are all real. Like they actually yeah. did have the actress that uh, playing Alexia have her hand up inside of the bum of a horse. Um, <laughs> it was a cow. A cow. Sorry, a cow. Yeah. Um, so that's some. That took some uh, acting yeah. chops. I don't know if you could make me do yeah, that. Yeah, vets and farmers all get to wear those lovely gloves that go all the way up to the shoulder. All the way up, the shoulder, all yeah. the way up yeah. Oh, there's that, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that one scene uh, where they're cutting up dogs, and I'm sitting there watching it with my dog. I'm like, no, Topanga, don't. <laughs> Yeah, it was so funny. David was watching this and commenting in the Slack chat, and he's like, suddenly there's this, Topanga, don't look! (laughs) (laughs) And this is right after, this is right after um, the scene where they've taken, you know, the finger has been eaten, Alexia's gone to the hospital, she's covered for Justine in front of their parents Mm -hmm. by saying that the dog ate Uh, her finger, and that's why they couldn't reattach it. And the dog has to be put down. Yeah. It's it's the theory that once a dog tastes human flesh, they might continue to have a taste for it. And so they have to put it down before it can bite someone again. And um, she, uh, so like almost the next scene after 
after she tries to make herself throw up in the hospital parking lot, um, the, I think like the next day they have to dissect a dog Dogs, yeah. at the veterinary college. And Justine is doing it without even blinking. You know, she was so shocked by the the horse being tranquilized and she is just sawing into this dog. Yeah. Like there's no tomorrow. And when the camera pulls back, you see the dog looks exactly like her sister's dog. Now, for all they know, it could be her sister's dog. Well, I don't think it's until after that scene that there's that scene where the uh, uh, Adrian gets the text from Alexia about like, they just put the dog down. But the oh, way, right. that, the, way right. that the sister texts about it is like, they just put the dog down. LOL. Yeah. Poor moms just crying her eyes out. Lol. Yeah. Also, <laughs> this is a family of veterinarians. Don't don't you think they would understand that that that's not true? Like the dog is not uh, going to develop vampire like qualities. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that the reason that's a thought is that it sometimes does happen where, I mean, it's more of a common with like, if a dog bites a person, that's a hard thing to train out of a dog. And it's mm. uh, potentially is, I don't want to say better. It's, I don't know. It's, but it is a thing where it's like, once a dog does that, that's that's you know they that's better what they safe are. than sorry yeah better right. safe than sorry if we have any vets in the audience <laughs> I mean, it, movie know, go around like, at no. tiltingwindmillstudios.com and a lot of the time too with the biting it's like the only way to test for rabies is to saw open the brain which you can't do while the dog is alive right this is really nicole what is the thing that really stuff? bothered you the most in this movie <laughs> Uh, the thing that first really got me, I mean, the the horse scene was a little bit disturbing, but not horrible for me because I watch a lot of, you know, the Discovery Channel and emergency vets and whatnot. Um, but, uh, when she's getting, Justine's getting chewed out by one of her professors who suspects her of helping some, her friend cheat and uh, she's very nervous and she's chewing on her hair this whole time. That oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lecturing her. And after she says it was him, which I guess presumably she's throwing Adrian under the bus, um, saying that he maybe he cheated off her without her knowledge or something like that. Uh, she goes into the bathroom and starts to throw up the hair that she was chewing and it goes on so long that hairball coming out of her yeah the hair coming out of her it just keeps coming and coming and she's coughing and choking until you think she's going to asphyxiate on it because she just can't get a full breath in you know in getting all of this out and it is that's what got me really in this i was just like oh oh oh," you know and i'm squirming in my chair in the theater and just there the audience is all making various noises around me and it's it was very upsetting yeah i forgot about the hairball yeah and then there's a girl who comes up to her in the mirror in the bathroom and she's like you know two fingers is really a lot easier yeah, uh, and that girl's just so like the cavalier and just like, yeah, you know, I but eating disorders, right? <laughs> and, and when Justine walks out, just goes back to like fixing her hair in the mirror, yeah, and smirking to herself. Uh, <laughs> let's um, let's also briefly discuss Alexia going to prison because that's something we've kind of glossed over from ending to middle. Uh, so Justine wakes up one morning 
in bed with uh, Adrian, her gay roommate. Which who is she not does, the first time that she's been to bed right, with Adrian. Who she does sleep with in this movie, as we alluded to early on. Uh, right. Which he is then upset about. He's been watching his gay porn and he's all excited already and she's all worked up and he's just like, you know, come here, let's take care of this. <laughs> it's like he's... <sighs> not like he's diffusing a bomb but like he's he's helping it's almost like he's helping to scratch her back you know it kind yeah, I mean, of they, they both have a that's situation the way he seems to take the offer of sleeping with her yeah they both have a situation that they can help each other out yeah well they do uh and then later on she wakes up in bed with him and we see him and he's very peaceful almost and his entire upper part of his leg has been nommed through pretty pretty well uh and yeah, um pretty realistic looking it's yep. I mean, it's very well done eye, but it's what i would imagine it might look like right and then we do learn that it not only is his leg all chewed up but it looks like that might have been chewed on post-mortem uh because it seems what really did kill him when she looks at the opposite side of his body because she does initially believe that she killed him she because again to me she seems to go into this visceral primal face phase where she doesn't remember anything right like just in the morgue when um alexia was toying with her with the body uh similarly she doesn't remember what happened or why she's in bed with adrian and there's a wound in his back from the ski pole which, again, ironically, is the ski pole that he handed her at the beginning of the movie. And it doesn't look like she's the one who did it or the one who nommed him because all, like, taken care of in the other room is, like, covered in blood, like, it, catatonic uh, Alexia. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, well, it looks like they were, like, playing video games or something together and it just overtook her and... So she killed him and ate him. Yeah. So she's out in the kitchen mashing, mashing the button on a video game controller. And I mean, she seemed like like drunk. Like she's had too much, you know, she's imbibed a little bit too much. Like she's not all there. It almost doesn't even seem drunk to me. It seems like catatonic. It seems like she's just empty. Guys, Um, food coma. Food coma. (laughs) Maybe it's a food coma. coma. By the way, I just want to throw out there as a as someone who does affectionately uh, love video games, this movie is the worst of the worst when it comes to people who don't play <laughs> video games pretending to play video games. When yeah, they're sitting there great. holding them like this, and they're like, use wow, the, friend, the and they're like, use the grenade. Like uh, the yeah. smashing buttons on the side, like, that's not how that works. That's okay. I I'll mean, give it, it a pass. It depends on the game, but, you know, but, I mean, that's... Yes, uh, it looks like Alexia at the end did end up killing Adrian, and... Yeah. Justine has this moment of, do I kill my sister? Where she really yeah. is pointing this skeeple at Alexia's forehead and, and makes a decision. I'm not going to kill my sister. I'm going to get her up. I'm going to get her in the shower. I'm going to clean up all this blood. But that's not enough. She still does get blamed for killing uh, Alex. I mean, uh, killing Adrian. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know that that's the point of Justine cleaning her i don't know it just seemed like a a sisterly thing to do it's yeah yeah, her sister's in shock so she wants to take care of her and so she takes her into the shower and washes her off well it's like i think i think there's a little bit of like yeah like uh, alexia took care of her in her time of need and she's trying to return the favor 
Slash also, you know, when they arrest you, I don't want you covered in Adrian's blood. <laughs> right. So how do they describe that at the scene? Like, how do they explain that? Like, oh, yeah, she killed him with a with a ski pole. And also half his leg is eaten. Super silently, by the way. Like, <laughs> nobody heard that ruckus. Nobody put up a fight in that murder. Well, yeah, that's how you know that she must have killed Adrian first quickly with the... Yeah. I mean, she put it into his spine. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was while he was sleeping or something already. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, I have yeah. questions about how the police approach this uh, after the fact, <laughs> but she does get arrested. She does go to prison and the family does go yeah. and visit her. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we learn about the dad and how he gets nommed on. But uh, let's close this out with a good question from David. We've circled around it several times, which is what does the cannibalism symbolize? Uh, and it's for a me very personally, broad question. It's very broad. For me, it's just like the, the extreme version. I think, David, you put it most eloquently earlier in the show. It is like the extreme coming of age like the extreme shift in personality of coming of age that runs parallel to all these other things that would happen to her naturally if she if she wasn't also hereditarily a cannibal <laughs> i mean i think it's it's a metaphor for the decisions you make about how you're how you're going to lead your life when you get to college you know decisions about how you're going to behave what you choose to what you choose to keep in your personality and what you choose to try to either discard or push aside or leave behind you, what, you know, what, however you want to put it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the choices you want to make going forward. What do you want to be like as a person going forward? Yeah, and so I've, these are sometimes major choices that you need to make. I think there is also an element of sometimes the body does stuff that you don't expect. And uh, (laughs) look, I'm probably going to one day regret saying this as anybody who has ever discovered a fetish knows. Mm. uh, Sometimes you find something and you're like, I don't know why I want this, but there is that primal. I need it. Right. There's a thing that, you know, that meme going around where it's like, I think this might be my fetish. Yeah. Yeah. Where you do, you do something you've never done before, and all of a sudden it's like oh, that lights up right. all the oh, light. No, that makes my brain. that makes sense. Yep, I need. Yes. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I totally I mean, agree. That's, with you guys. that's what college is for, partly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Trying yeah. new things. Uh, well, I think um, hopefully, hopefully not cannibalism. Yeah, hopefully Justine can make it through to at least get the degree. Uh, so <laughs> um, she can also like our hurt parents. Like, did they become that? Va- I want to know the backstory of this family. Really, I want the prequel. I want the pr- I want the mom and the dad prequel. See, this movie is like an hour and forty minutes, and there's something great to that. But also, with that, you know, we don't get some of the explanations that I think in this movie we agree on reflection kind of weak in the film. But while you're watching it, it's just such an experience and such a roller coaster that you're just going with it. See, as this is well crafted, much like. Insidious 1 and 2, which is why, just like Insidious 1 and 2, you must say, hey, there's a backstory here. We should make a prequel and then make a prequel and then say, hey, there's probably still a backstory here. We can't really go forward anymore. Let's make another prequel. So then you make another prequel. And I believe now they're going back forward in time again with the next one um, because money. 
So they could do that, but I don't know if they want to. I think the fact that this movie does in, embrace some of those absurdities of just what happens when these cars crash on the road. I think like that's okay. I think it's okay for those for those gaps to exist. Whereas Insidious would make seven movies about the cars crashing on the road. So it's a little bit different. Um, but now I do want to remind people that next week we are going to be watching a uh, You Did This To Us, meaning that you picked it. Uh, we said it at the top of the program. And also it'll be in the show doc. So be sure to check that in your show notes on whatever app you use to find out what movie it is. Because we don't know right now. It could be anything. Um, since we started recording this program, more votes have been cast but our same fate awaits us. Boss, baby. It could be something great. You never know. Boss, well, not based on what's in here. The gods must be crazy. <laughs> that's something that's been added since we started the program. What oh, is that's that? That's actually a good movie. <laughs> oh, well, it only has 9.1% of the vote, so it's not going to happen. Boss, baby, 36.4. So <laughs> listen, listen to me, man. Of all the movies on that list... Boss Baby's probably our best choice. Eh, well, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> you could say it right now, right? Because if you said it and this episode came out, it wouldn't happen. Oh, yeah, no. Then people would be like, the Emoji Movie, 100%. Yeah, well, right. fortunately, we, you know, we record well ahead of time. So yes. nobody's going to hear this discussion <laughs> until it's already been determined. That's so. right. That's right. Well, right. okay. Well, I, I would like to know, did you guys, I don't know if I want to say, did you guys like this movie? Did, did you oh, do, I like this movie? Oh, okay. <laughs> did you like this movie? What did you think of this movie overall? I I thought this was a, a very well made film. It's not a movie that I'm probably going to watch on a regular basis, but I would watch it again with people who haven't seen it. Um, I think that would be a very fun experience. Yes. This is one that's fun to watch other people watching. Yeah. And I would say it's, uh, while it is a quote unquote horror movie, it is not, uh, it, it kind of gets outside of that enough to make it interesting enough for me to want to see again at some point. Yeah. I consider it a cross between a, a straight horror movie or, and, and like you know, an art house movie with yeah. horror elements to it. Yeah. For me, uh, I really hate the Neon Demon. Um, <laughs> I really hate this the Neon movie Demon. It is not the French Neon Demon, Brett. <laughs> it is the this French Neon good. Demon. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, it's not seeing the Neon not. Demon. It's so, I don't know. I, I have, I, here's the thing the reason I dislike the Neon Demon is because it tries to push me into very uncomfortable places I dislike visually at times. And um, this doesn't do that. I, I think just more of like the awkward girl eating people. Like that's kind of a neon demon thing. Um, Except it's not. We had very different experiences with neon demon. We had very different experiences. We need to watch it at some point. But uh, uh, no. <laughs> I digress. I appreciate this movie. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I would ever watch it again. I would, however, recommend it to others because I think that it pushed it it pushed me into places that made me deeply uncomfortable to watch and ultimately that is part of the point of horror and it's something that as i have repeatedly said on the program i am desensitized to a pulp and to have that experience of like oh my gosh this is a horror movie that's making me really uncomfortable that's few and far between for me, so I can appreciate it for that. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to watch it again. I think once is enough. I think this is a good like. I can come back to it in like ten years and. I mean, it's, it's like you know, like I would never just pop this on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to watch some <laughs> Raw. 
like, you know, people are over and it's like, hey, uh, we like, let's like, let's watch a movie. Let's, you know, it's around Halloween time. And it's like, well, why don't we put on Raw? We'll do a back to back, the invitation and in Raw. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a double feature I can get behind. That's a good one. Well, very good. Again, next week is you did this to us. We'll figure out what that is very shortly. But Nicole, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter under at your word whiz, Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. You can find me uh, on Letterboxd under Nicole underscore Davis. You can find me shepherding our Facebook page, facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. Please find us there. Feel free to ask us anything. I will be happy to answer you. You can, you know, we, we love your input. We love interacting with our listeners. Absolutely. And what about you, David? You can find me on the Heck Yeah Comics podcast, heckyeahcomics.com, also on the Brokebot Mountain podcast. And you can find me around the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me there. And again, Topanga is Topanga the Untamable. Right on. Find me on Twitter at RiversRuben. Uh, you can like the show by going on iTunes and Stitcher and leaving a review. That's very, very helpful. That allows more people to find the program. More people are finding the program than ever before. We're clocking in on 600 people at some point or another have come and joined us since we switched hosts and now have you know aggregated stats of who you are and where you are. So that's very exciting that at some point along the way. All those people are tuning in. So you can also email the show, uh, moviegoround at tiltingwindmillstudios.com. Let us know what you think of the program. If you have thoughts on films that we watch, come and let us know. We'd be happy to read those on the program or do stuff like that. We also have some new exciting things coming along the line. We might be doing some live stuff. We might be making some fun t-shirts that you can get if you'd like. So keep tabs on the Twitter and the Facebook for that. That'll do it for myself, David, and Nicole. We'll be back next week with... Probably boss baby, but we'll see. (laughs) It'll be in the show notes. Take care, everybody. Mm